It's Dear Instructional Designer, episode 14. Welcome to Dear Instructional Designer, the show about the instructional design journey. I'm your host, Kristen Anthony. Today's guest needs little introduction. It's Jane Bozarth, instructional designer, author of Show Your Work, a book I own and really enjoy, as well as a handful of other books, and presenter and conference board member. After speaking with Ashley Chesson, I thought we all might appreciate a little more information about presenting at conferences how to get a foot in the door, what topics we might address. Jane gives us tips on all of these things. She also gives us a lot to think about when it comes to marketing ourselves so we gain the attention necessary to get our names to the top of the conference pile. Without further ado, here's my interview with Jane. Jane, I am sure about 99% of listeners have probably heard of you, but just in case, could you tell <laughs> us a little bit about your background? Okay, well, let's see. I'm Jane Bozarth. I have spent my whole career with state government, and that's over 20 years now. I started out as a classroom trainer, and then I moved to e-learning, and now my work is still uh, attached to e-learning, but I, f I focus a lot more on uh, social and collaborative technologies now than, than just developing courses to run online, which is what I did for a, for a long, long time. Um, along the way, I've written a whole lot of books, I think six or seven, uh, for which I'm the primary author, a few others where I'm a co-author and some others on I'm a ghostwriter, actually. Uh, so some of those are better than bullet points from analysis to evaluation, e-learning solutions on a shoestring, social media for trainers, uh, credibility. Um, and the newest one is show your work, which is uh, it ties back to my dissertation. It's mostly about how to, to, ca to capture tacit knowledge in an organization, to share that and to make our work more explicit. Awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I've read that book. I own it and I love it. Oh, good. Thank um, you. Yeah. So, Jane, I know you have a lot of awesome insights and resources to share, and you regularly write for quite a few L&D uh -huh. resources. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the reasons why I reached out you, to you specifically was that I know that you are a really accomplished public speaker, and I think that mm -hmm. that's something that um, a lot of newbie IDs are probably interested in, but also intimidated by. And so um, could you tell us a little bit about how you got started in public speaking? Well, yeah, and I, I, it goes back to my days, actually, as a classroom trainer. I worked uh, for the state, and I, I was kind of the only person who did what I did. That seems to be a theme throughout my career. Mm -hmm. But we had a really strong training network at the time. Now, this is in the days before internets and before uh, email, even, in many cases. I mean, this was, this was a group that got together quarterly. And our goal, it really was a true community of practice. Our goal was to be better. Our goal was to get better at what we did. And it, it wasn't so much a Toastmasters-y thing as it was, I'm working on this, and this is some ideas I have around teaching this and can I try some of them out on you and so oh. we would have a chance to do a presentation to run some activities to get people to test you know a, a group activity or a, a game or something with trainers who could give you good feedback about it and then it gave us a chance to sort of try things out uh, and before we went to do them live with the group it gave us the opportunity 
to see other good good trainers and good people at work. My my best advice from those days and still is if you want to be good at what you do, find a way to hang out with other people who are good at that. Mm. And nowadays we have a lot more means of it. I mean, we can we can see people online, we can we can find people in different online groups. Now, actually seeing them present can be a different challenge because mm-hmm. probably the gold standard for that would be the TED Talk. Right. And right. we can we can certainly see plenty of those. So, I, you know, I would say I was lucky to have a really strong community and you get out of that what you put into it. You know, people who sat on the sidelines who just came and said, oh, well, I'm not really a trainer. I just want to watch probably never got much better. Hmm. But the people who were willing to try it and put it out there and do stuff. So uh, that that's really where it came from. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a nice idea about having that. I know um, in other places I've tried to start you know, just sort of sharing groups, like here's, here's what I'm mm-hmm. working on. But yeah, I like taking it the step further, particularly when you're thinking about, or if you're in a position where you are facilitating is, Hey, let me try this, this activity out on you. That's, mm-hmm. that's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can tell you that one of the things that I struggle with is this idea of what can I, as a newbie sort of add to the conversation? Um, what advice might you give for picking a speaking topic? I got started. I, I will tell you this. I do a whole lot. It's not. It's only a little t- tangential. I I serve on conference selection committees quite a bit, where there are probably five or six of us. And I will I will tell you first of all, for every conference you've heard of, like any of the big national events, there are probably between a thousand and two thousand proposals mm-hmm. for what might be forty slots mm-hmm. or fifty slots. And in that pile, there will probably be thirty. Introduction to Camtasia, introduction to storytelling, introduction. There are a whole lot of things at that at that level. Introduction to uh, Creative Cloud, introduction to Photoshop images, right? Uh-huh. So, so here's the deal for that kind of topic. There are already people who do it all the time who are really well known, right? And a conference is going to get the people that are known for that who have done it before, who have probably worked with that conference a dozen times. So I would say, don't go that way. I know that you're talking about people who may be newbies either to the field or to speaking, but your name is not going to come to the top of that pile very often, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I would be looking for something that is unique about your situation or something that shows how you solved a problem. People are craving answers um, to things like that. For instance, my very first conference presentation ever at a big event, it was a training magazine event in Atlanta uh, years ago, maybe 15 years ago. Um, They were doing like Cracker Barrel roundtables in which there were six or eight people presenting at the same time in the same room, right? And you would rotate from table to table. So your case study, you had to present a case study and it had to be short. And mine was about uh, how as a state government entity, how we were able to, at the time this was a new thing, how we were able to leverage some blended learning to make policy training more palatable, Mm -hmm. which is a huge issue. And it's not just for people in government. We all struggle with what to do with really dry topics, with compliance topics, you know, with safety, with regulatory stuff, with HR policy stuff. So, you know, we had a really unique perspective on that in that one instance, because we had launched a little bit of, of blended learning around that where as I recall, there was sort of pre-reading with the content, pre-reading of the policy, and then some activities online. And, and it was fairly, fairly basic back in the day, but at the time it was kind of, it was kind of a new thing. So that got me noticed. And that sort of got me noticed as, oh, she's with government. So let's talk to her some more. Mm-hmm. The other thing that, that I started presenting on pretty early, uh, 
was that back in the day, here I am with the government and, and I saw, this was maybe early 2000, I was working on my master's and at the time online courses were literally just scrolling text Mm -hmm. on a screen. Mm -hmm. But I saw that how that could solve a lot of the problems I had at work. I have a lot of geography issues. I have a hundred counties. I have people on shifts. I even have people in different, in, in another time zone, way, way out in our Western region. So I saw how even bad e-learning was better than hauling people to Raleigh to make them sit and listen to the EEO officer read about harassment, right? Which is all it really was. Mm -hmm. So I was trying to figure out how to do some e-learning. Well, everybody around me, the other government trainers are all saying, we can't do that. It's too expensive. And I said, well, how can I do this without any any money? Mm -hmm. Um, And that ended up being my master's thesis with some solutions we had found ways to just run html pages that weren't nothing but scrolling text ways we could build some rudimentary games or activities even using email ways we were able to do it so that ended up being my master's thesis and that ended up being a book so that was my first book so i got kind of well known then for oh here's how to do some things without any money now everybody's talking about that Mm -hmm. and there are lots and lots of tools for there's lots of free stuff now but back then there really there really wasn't so i would recommend that you you know you figure out something you've done that's a little unusual figure out something you've done that's a little unique figure out something that that solves a problem people love case studies people love real use cases people love uh, examples of real results or real programs Mm -hmm. um I would also take a look at organizations like the e-learning guild events at every one of their events. One evening is set aside for what they call something like a demo fest. Mm -hmm. I think they have different names for different events, but demo fest is like a hundred tables set up in a big ballroom and you, you, um, you sign up ahead of time. They don't choose everybody, but a lot of, I mean, it's a lot of opportunities when you consider how few comparatively speaking slots there are. So Mm -hmm. you go in and you can demonstrate something you actually did. Right. So it's a chance to sit at a table and people, again, rotate around the room. But you have a chance to sit with a computer and show this is my program I built. This is my game I built. This is my uh, solution I built. This is these were the constraints we had. People can ask you questions. You know, how did you do this with so many conflicting stakeholders? How did you do this with no money? How did you do this with such a horrible topic? And it's a great way to just sort of get a foot in the door with the conference and with the conference organizers. Um, I would also say, though, you know, start smaller. My first conference came after lots of times presenting at ATD events. I had done some um, some like evening workshops at the local community college. They're usually desperate, by the way, for people who can do, a, a, you know, a couple of hours of open enrollment for, for a general topic. Oh, okay. Um, and I think I had done some sort of just basic working with PowerPoint kind of workshops for mm-hmm. people who didn't know much about that. So, you know, anything you can do to get some practice and get your name in the door, but it also gives you references because if you want to go to any of the big events, you're going to have to have some examples of, of where you've done other presentations. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Do, do you have like a, a recommended progression for, mm-hmm. for new speakers? I don't, not that, no, not that I know of, but I know that, that pretty much everybody I know in the business has done at least a little time speaking at things like, like local ATD chapters, local ISPI chapters, local SHRM chapter, you know, they've usually done some things locally somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, some people present a lot in their organizations and that counts too, you know, and if you have video, if you have a clip, if you've got a couple of things on YouTube, all of that, all of that can help. But, but we were talking specifically about topics and I would just say, look for something, some unique twist, some specific problem, some specific topic you work with, but, but stay away from just the, how to use 
uh, snag it because that's already that's being done a lot. Right. 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 And um, so uh, I guess one of my questions would be, um, do you um, do you ever see people and I guess maybe you wouldn't, but would you ever see people who, you know, maybe I have done something really cool in my organization, but Mm -hmm. um, or or if I'm a freelancer, maybe I've done something really cool, but. Um, because it's work for hire, it's difficult to share. Like, is, is that just yeah. a an yeah. issue of talking with whoever um, you made that for? I would I would look at talking with who I made that for. I would look at building something into contracts. Like, if that's freelance work, saying, you know, I have rights to use this for demonstration purposes, but I'll strip out your logo or identifying info. You know, you can negotiate that ahead of time. Uh-huh. But but very often, unless it's really proprietary, like it's secret R and D stuff or it's secret financial stuff. Usually I have found organizations like to have their stuff showcased. And right, if you present yeah. it as I want to show this, I'm really proud of this. I think we did it. We did a we did a great job. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we did a great job on this. Um, I would really like to use this as a conference. Usually, you know, people will go along with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, sometimes folks are real funny about proprietary stuff. And and yeah, if it's really secret or it's a pharmaceutical company with a new drug, they'll probably hesitate about that. But I would, you know, I would ask. Um and most of the time they'll say yes. And, and if you have to, you know, you can always strip out some stuff for a portfolio piece and mm-hmm. just, you know, and just say this is a more a generic model of something that I actually did. But a lot of the stuff at like the Demo Fest, and I would suggest, I, I'm pretty sure that stuff is online somewhere. Go to the eLearning Guild, um, Google around eLearning Guild, Demo Fest, Demo Fest winners, and just see what comes up as the kind of stuff that was shown. And if I'm if I'm correct about this, I think after those, and they have se- the guild has several events a year, and they do this evening thing at, at all of them in one flavor or another. I think afterward that they do a webinar with the winners mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. those events, and you can see the kind of stuff they used, and you can see from that whether it was it was something like a commercial product for a for a known company, or if it's something that they sort of dummied up for the sake of replicating it for um for the for the competition, mm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, See, because I'm government, I'm I can pretty much use what I develop. Yeah. 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 Oh, but that that's awesome advice. Um, so you talked a little bit about um things that we should you know stop trying to get in the door of conferences with. Are there any topics that you think haven't been explored or could be explored better or differently at conferences? I wish that we had someone doing more work around accessibility and e-learning. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. There's not nearly enough of that. And what there is, and I'm going to get in trouble with this. I always do. There's a, there's a number of, of people in higher ed who are doing some work with that higher ed is not the same as workplace learning. Mm-hmm. And I, we can argue about it all day, but the truth is the people who do higher ed conference presentations about that tend to talk about things that are not necessarily relevant to the, the guy who's building a 20 minute e-learning tutorial mm-hmm. crowd. Mm-hmm. Um, it is kind there's a different, there's a different twist to it and I, I could go on all day, but I would like to see more uh, competent presenters in the space talking about accessibility and e-learning and how to make things accessible for everyone and not just being compliant because section 508 says we have to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just, it's not quite the same as, user-centered it's not quite what i'm getting at i i i I have written a little bit about this but i think there needs to be more of that i think there needs to be this is going to get me in trouble too (laughs) i i would like to hear more from people who actually have jobs and who've actually worked in this field i think one of one of the lesser known 
or the less talked about secrets of some of our the people we know, we have a lot of people in this business who have never actually had jobs or mm. they've never actually worked in the trenches and they don't always know that what they're saying doesn't fly with all of us or that we can kind of see through that or that uh, what they're telling us is great in theory, but it's not so great in practice. Mm-hmm. So being being really focused on what what happens in an actual practice, uh, I think, uh, matters a lot. Like this was a real constraint. This was a real situation I had. Again, back to the cases. I only had $7,000 and they wanted live actors and they wanted this and they wanted, right, how did I do that? Mm-hmm. Um You know, stuff tends to run in trends. A few years ago, it was all about social tools, and then it turned into gamification, and now it seems to be turning into Mm micro-learning, you know. Um, So it seems like people are very quick to latch on to whatever the the current hot thing is. There are usually plenty of people wanting to talk about that at a conference. So I would look around at what's not getting so much press. I would look through conference brochures because they're online. I would look and see what's not. I think things – specific to a particular product. I know that that I've had a lot of demand, for instance, for talking about how to use Pinterest for learning. They want to talk about particular tools. Now I'm getting a lot of interest in how to use Snapchat. So maybe looking at a particular tool or a particular subset of an idea would be good. I think, for instance, right now, microlearning is very hot. I might pick a piece of that to talk about, not microlearning with a capital M, mm-hmm. But, but, you know, some subsection, like how you could do a leadership course and incorporate microlearning or how you, you know, how you could do um, a specific kind of course using a particular tool for microlearning rather than just this real broad microlearning's fabulous. Let's just bolt a hundred things together. Mm -hmm. Am I making sense? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, But I, I think you'd be best advised to go look through some conference brochures and realize that something may be missing because it's been done to death, but there just may be something missing because nobody really proposed it, like accessibility. Uh, Again, I go through lots of conference presentations. I have seen very little about that over the years. That is awesome. I mean, you know, sometimes as a newbie, when you try to approach these conferences, it feels like there's no space for you, but you have just given all of us yeah. <laughs> well, but again, but let, let's talk about that. I think yeah. if you have no experience and nobody's ever heard of you and you haven't really done much in the way of, of presenting yourself anywhere, mm-hmm. you you aren't going to get noticed so quickly again by mm-hmm. the conference. I mean, if I've got a stack of people who want to talk about Snapchat for learning and I've got 10 people who participate in Twitter chats with me, I've got or, or people I've seen sharing their like sharing some work on the e-learning hero site. I mean, mm-hmm. they're going to come to the top of that pile. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got to put yourself out there a little. Right. Uh, Share, share some YouTube videos, share some stuff you've been working on, participate in the the e-learning hero challenges. Do you know what I'm talking about, about e-learning hero? Articulate runs that. And that's wonderful. It's a great place to get ideas. Mm -hmm. You know, participate in some Twitter chats so that we at least recognize your name. Mm And have some other credits. You know, I've presented this for ATD. I've presented this for some local chapters. I presented this for the community college. Um, all of that will will help get it noticed a little. But I don't know that it's, it's that there's no room. It's just we need some new stuff. And I will say I was involved in a conversation recently in which we were very hard-pressed, for instance, to come up with the name of a woman who's big on video. Um, you know, there are a lot of complaints that some of these things are so male heavy, but but I couldn't come up with a name. Can you come up with a name of a woman who's known for video work in e-learning? See? No, yeah, no, I can't. <laughs> so I, and, and we know she's out there. 
I mean, we know that there are people, but but whoever they are, they're not making themselves explicit enough somewhere in a space that their name immediately comes to mind. There are several men whose names immediately come to mind on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, so so be thinking about some particular niche that needs to be filled or, or be thinking about if you have a passion or you have a, an expertise, make sure somebody else, you know, it doesn't help us if we don't know it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so um, how, how would you... I've, I've been going through this myself. Um, so I, I love Twitter. I love participating in Twitter. Um, but at the same time, I have all this stuff that I want to try and do. Um, and I blog re- regularly and I started this podcast. And so I, I am sort of conflicted between this and trying to start a side business. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just, just the doing work and then mm-hmm. sort of showing my work. How would, you, how would you recommend that people sort of balance that? I would recommend that you stop storing stuff on your C drive. Mm-hmm. Um, the easiest way to show your work is to put it somewhere we can see it. You uh-huh. know, even if it's stripping out a few sample slides and and having a CV online somewhere, and then making sure that you do mention that uh, at the beginning and end of every learn chat. For instance, we ask, "What's your passion? What are you working on? What's a shameless plug?" Mm-hmm. You know, say, "I'm working on a a new class on accessibility and e-learning. Here's a link to some stuff." Mm-hmm. And that's all you have to do. I don't think you have to spend hours and hours making custom video mm-hmm. to run, but but we can't see it if we don't know it's there. So right. put it somewhere where people can see it. Put it somewhere people can find it. Do stop. And every once in a while, I'll stop and make like a three-minute video of something I've done. And, and I do stick that on YouTube, but it's not hard and it's the course of my work. Um, you know, I write a lot partly because I get paid to do that. And there there's <laughs> – there's a um, – you know, when you're when it's your work, it's it's easier to get it done. I think than than just having to forever make time, for instance, to be a really uh, dedicated, frequent blogger or mm-hmm. or something. So I think just when you're working on something, make sure you tell somebody. Just mention it somewhere or post a screenshot of something somewhere. Sometimes that's the stuff with mine that gets the most response. Is just a single screen from something I'm working on. Mm-hmm. Good advice. Okay, mm-hmm. that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, I often listen to a really great podcast called Rad Presenters, Mm -hmm. and they talk about all sorts of things related to becoming a good public speaker. And what what tips might you offer on that as far as, you know, sort of presenting yourself at the conference and, and making something that's good? Well, I think one thing that helps you be a good presenter is to practice being a presenter. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you can kind of tell when people are not comfortable in that role. Mm-hmm. Again, the, the more experience you can get. I came from a classroom training background, so that helped immeasurably mm-hmm. uh, compared to people who really only do it a few times a year for an event. So I would practice as much as I can. I would video myself and look and just see what I'm doing because we all have tics and habits and weird things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's kind of presentation skills 101, but I would, I would say, take a look at some good presenters or people you feel are good presenters and, and watch what it is they do. For me, I like to see a presenter who is not married to notes, who knows their content well enough that they can kind of walk away from it and stand and lean against the table and, and chat about some stuff that they're not trying to just stick to some speech they wrote for me. I'm not interested in that. They can email that to me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm interested in, in presenters who, you know, you know, whether you're funny or not, don't be funny. Don't try to be funny if you're not, 
right? <laughs> Some people are not funny. Uh, I can be pretty funny. So uh, I can also get away with playing the ukulele. Not, not everybody can get away with that. But uh, I would, <laughs> you know, I would just, you know, I would look at what good presenters do. I will tell you what bad presenters do. Bad presenters worked on their slides on the plane. They didn't space out. They didn't time their presentations and they don't get to, I, I remember, I don't go to a lot of presentations anymore because I have been to so many conferences. There was a presentation recently I really, really wanted to see. And they had promised about how to use da-da-da-da-da to use social learning, da-da-da. I really wanted to see this. So I get there and they're joking about how awesome it was that they made their slide deck on the plane. And their timing is way off. They never got to the only thing I was really there to see. Hmm. They were slapping each other on the back because they were just so awesome. And it was, everything about it was terrible. It it was not rehearsed. (laughs) It was not prepared. Um, They weren't that funny. And and like I said, the one thing I went to get, I didn't get because they hadn't timed it. So, you know, rehearsing things and checking your timing and knowing what you're doing ahead of time, uh, I I think are all excellent things. And I think those of us who do this a lot or we work with a, a topic we present a lot, it may look very extemporaneous sometimes to an audience it may look like it wasn't planned but but generally it is generally we have rehearsed it or we've done it a lot and 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 it's under our control uh i have seen people use powerpoint as a teleprompter and that kind of drives me nuts Mm -hmm. so you know being able to to talk knowledgeably about your your content without having to be married to the computer if the computer goes down what you going to do can you manage without it because if you can't that would kind of be your sign Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right i um and so just just to throw this out here um i know so I've never, never actually gotten to go to a conference yet, but um, I follow the back channels a lot. And I know that um, every once in a while um, you hear these, um, these complaints, I guess that's what they are, um, about, you know, how you go to a conference um, with L&D people and, you know, they're supposed to be talking about, um, you know, using interactivity or, or, you know, just good learning design and then sort of their presentation is sort of really dry and boring and bullet points. Do do you find that that happens a lot? I find that happens some, but not with the presenters that you hear a lot about and not the Mm -hmm. names you see over and over again. Mm -hmm. I also find, and I don't know what, I don't know where the disconnect is. I find that a lot of times, or a complaint I hear a lot is that the presenter didn't cover what the the description said they would. Mm -hmm. Or, and it may be because for some of these things, we have to submit the stuff so far in advance. Like for me, stuff changes. I talk about social tools and stuff can happen overnight. You know, suddenly Twitter extends the character limit is the next thing coming or or Facebook buys Instagram happened to me one day. So it, <laughs> it may be that people put stuff in and then over time, something changed in the presentation. But people expect the presentation to pretty much match the blurb and the materials. Mm-hmm. And they can be disappointed if that happens. But I, you know, I... I think that especially in regard to e-learning, it's a bigger problem because we do have a lot of people who have never done classroom training. You know, when you talk about a, a broader training conference, like a training magazine event or an ATD event, you often have people who do have a good deal of time in the classroom. But many times, if it's specific to just e-learning designers, they may never really have interacted in a classroom very much. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny while they're talking about, like you said, they're talking about how to how to be interactive and they're there reading bullet points. It's kind of, well. Um, I I don't see that they get invited back a lot. I don't think that you'll see um, that they get a lot of repeat business from that. But sure, some stuff's boring and sometimes presenters are boring. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, do you have any advice about things like slide design or incorporating interactivity? I stay away from text as much as I can. I try not. I mean, I wrote a book called Better Than Bullet Points. Mm -hmm. It kind of puts a lot of pressure on me. <laughs> I, I really like, if you're interested in that, I really like uh, Gar Reynolds' presentation, Zen, mm -hmm. and anything by Nancy Duarte. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I would take a look at, at the stuff they're talking about. I think that um, I, I I spend a good deal of time on the slide design Mostly looking for an image that really conveys what I'm trying to say ra rather than just something decorative. Mm -hmm. So I do, I do, I, I probably don't have the prettiest slides in the business, but I think that, that um, they do get my point across without a lot of text. I mean, again, if it's just going to be text, just email it to me. Right. Um, but I see people do wonderful stuff with their slides. Mm. You know, I would, I would look through again, many of the conference sites have, uh, access to the handouts and I would look and see many times that's what people have been have been presenting there just is the slide deck that they've, they're sharing as a handout and sometimes you can find recordings online but but I think you know in terms of the interactivity sometimes you'll have 50 people in a breakout room and that makes it a little easier than if you have 300 people mm -hmm. to to facilitate something that takes very much in the way of instructions or moving around but you can do a lot of things about just turning and talking to each other for a moment uh, just get, huddle with the, the three or four people closest to you and discuss a problem. I do try to, to do a few things like that rather than just talk mm -hmm. the entire time. Mm -hmm. And people tend to respond to that well, and it helps manage the energy. It pulls the energy of the room back up. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Um, so how do you evaluate whether your session has been successful or impactful? Uh, typically, I get... If the stage get right, gets rushed when I'm finished, a lot of people are coming up to me wanting more, wanting to talk more, wanting to get information from me or wanting to ask where they can buy the book. Uh, a lot of times, and this happens, it's really very, it's very pleasing when I get back to the office or wherever, a few days will go by and somebody will email me something they've worked on or something that they're changing because of something I said or something that their boss wants them to pursue because of something they heard. Yeah. That, that tends to be how I evaluate. I mean, the, the written evaluations are fine, but they tend to be smile shady things about she said what she was going to do and she covered her objectives and she, you know, it, it you don't really know if it's had much impact at that point. It's just whether people are happy. Mm -hmm. So, so, you know, hearing after the fact, um, if you go to my, I think it's my social media for trainers, Facebook page, uh -huh. there's a video from a woman I ran into at a conference who had seen me at, at the previous year going on and on about something they implemented from an idea I gave her. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that tells me I got it right. Nice. Yeah. Well, I don't get it very often, but it is nice when it, when it happens. Yeah. I, and it was coincidental. I just ran and she said, oh my gosh, we did this thing and we did it with Pinterest and about it. It's on my, it's on my site. You can go see it on the, it's the social media for trainers, Facebook page. There's a video there. She was great. Awesome. Yeah. We will definitely yeah. link to that. Yeah. Um, so one other thing to sort of pick your brain about, um, uh, another thing that I pick up from the rad presenters podcast is that, the experts that they talk to um, and the hosts themselves are often speaking at uh, conferences for their client industries. Mm -hmm. So they, they aren't always presenting to other folks like them. Do you have any feelings about that or experience with that? Not much because most of the people I talk to are people like me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, not really. Um, I, I would listen to what they have to say and insert that here. What, mm -hmm. what do they say? I'm kind of curious. Well, I mean, it, it, they just talk a lot about how, um, because, well, they, one of them is definitely in government. The other one is a, 
a consultant. She has her own business, but they, they both, you know, they talk a lot about good presentation, but I, you know, just thinking about it from um, somebody who is sort of looking at it from a, a freelance perspective, it's been interesting to hear about, oh, you know, yeah, there are these L and D conferences that I can and should be going to um, as a part of the community and, and giving back and also getting inspiration from, but, you know, as somebody who maybe is trying to have a business, does it make more sense or, um, or at least equal sense for me to be going out to the places where potential clients are um, and talking to them about what I can do? Um, okay. Yeah. Right. So that, that's just been, you know, it, it's not something that I've ever really thought about before. Um, and, you know, when I say conference to other people like me, we're all thinking the L and D conferences that we hear about and, I just think it's interesting to think about, you know, should we be going to client industry conferences? Right. Well, you know, it's interesting. I know some people who have gone and, and you know, in my case, I work for my client, right? I'm in the, yeah. it's the government, right? So it's, it's not somewhere I would go, but there, um, a, a few friends of mine have been to content marketing conferences and marketing in general. And, you know, ID is basically selling something. How mm -hmm. do we sell this idea? How do we sell a concept? How do we get people to take action? Mm -hmm. Right. And they have found that very useful. They've attended, they haven't been presenting. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I, yeah, I, I would keep looking, you know, the other thing is I have a friend who's a graphic artist here in town who has nothing to do with this business. And this week she is at an event, her own conference where there's an award ceremony for packaging, like the people who made the boxes that your so your kid's soccer ball came in, yeah, right? Yeah. And it's kind of interesting to see how they view design versus how we would talk about viewing design, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, other people do what we do maybe uh, with a twist. I think sometimes we forget about that. So mm -hmm. I would look around. I think it's, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So, Jane, as we wrap up, uh, I know that one of the things that inspired me to even think about going to conferences and, and speaking at conferences was a Julie Dirksen post in Learning Solutions Mag, January of 2015, mm -hmm. about the need for women in the e-learning field to get out there and apply to speak. Do you have any thoughts on diversity in e-learning conference presenters? Uh, you know what is funny? I'm, I'm going to ICE to participate in a panel on e women in technology mm -hmm. with Julie Dirksen <laughs> and, and a few other people. Um, I, it's like I said, I, I think that, I don't know whose fault it is, but I think sometimes men are better at marketing themselves, at putting themselves out there. It, it's like I said, I think we were all shocked the day it came up. Who could we recommend as a woman to present on video? And we couldn't come up with a single name. Mm -hmm. uh, again, I'm sure she's there, but but she isn't making as much noise as some of the guys who every time I open my uh, LinkedIn, they're they're talking about this video course they're working on. They're talking about a video class they're teaching. They've got, vi I mean, I, I don't know that that's a male-female thing. Maybe it just happens to be these men I know who are in video. But but I, I think that, that the women need to maybe lean out a little bit more like we've talked about. I think that um, women need to look at where they're generally underrepresented. I see actually at the events, I see a lot of women talking about design in general. Mm -hmm. I see a lot of women um, – talking about aesthetics in terms of design, like how to make, how to work with graphics, how to make this interesting, how to do this or that. Mm -hmm. I maybe don't see women talking about some of the more technical things. And again, I'm pulling this off the top of my head. Yeah, I could be, yeah, yeah. you could probably prove me wrong, but, but I think that, that, um, 
we need to we need to look at the conference brochures, look at where the women maybe are underrepresented, and make them be a little more aggressive about getting their stuff out there, about participating in conversations that are highly technical, about participating and and looking at topics that that maybe uh, the women aren't the first names that come to mind. I know of one woman who's very big in the mobile learning space. Uh, but she's the only one I can really think of. I can think a lot of guys who are they're building apps. They're talking about their apps. They're talking about how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think looking at, at where we know it's happening and, and maybe that would be a good place to get a foot in the door. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So, Jane, last but not least, where can people catch up with you? I am always on Twitter. Twitter's the first place you can find me and my phone number's there. All right. Awesome. Right? So it's Twitter at Jane Bozarth. <laughs> you can oh. always find me there. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Great to talk to you finally in person, live and in person. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of great advice here. I thought it was great that Jane encouraged us as newbies to look for the gaps in conference programming, gaps in content, as well as gaps for where newbies, women, or people of color might not be showing up and fill in those spaces. She also talked about the need for us to show our work and get ourselves noticed so that we have a better chance of making it to the top of the presenter proposal pile. I would love to know if you have any thoughts on the advice Jane shared today, and I'd love to hear any stories where maybe you used these tips and were accepted. Feel free to start up a conversation with us. Jane is at Jane Bozarth on Twitter, and I'm at Anthpress, and we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening. Hope to hear from you, and take care.